Welcome to Love in the Love Boat, a fond and funny look back on the world's greatest cruise ship-based television show. I'm Ishvan, singer, songwriter, and TV fanatic. And I'm Michelle, pop culture enthusiast. Join us as we relive episodes of one of the most watched TV series of all time. Occasionally deviating to pop culture charts unknown. So come aboard. We're expecting you for another edition of Loving the the Love Boat. Boat. Welcome back, you guys. Episode 30. Indeed it is. Hard Hard to believe we're on episode 30 already. Well, believe it. Because we're here, and we're going to have a fuzzy-wuzzy good time reliving this. What kind of episode would you consider this, Michelle? Good? Bad? In between? In between. Yeah, kind of another in between. We got high hopes for the next one. (laughs) This one is a... Let's just... Let's kind of just... Dive right in. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wrestle with this one a little bit, too. Uh, I'd like to know you guys always. uh, If you guys like or dislike, remember again, check out that Spotify if you can for our questions, because... We are desperate to know your feelings on each and every one of these episodes. So let me do it. Let me dive in. And we have a little extra something for you at the end from my mom, Mm -hmm. our Hollywood uh, reporter. She is going to, uh, because sometimes I'm always wondering about certain people. I was baffled with red buttons. So we are going to give you a red buttons history lesson at the end of this show. Uh, But before then, let me get into our three storylines. First, we have The Kissing Bandit. Written by Fred Grandy and Bernie Coppell. We have The Witness. Written by Arnold Grossman. And finally, we have Mike and Ike. Written by guess who, Michelle? Fred Grandy and Bernie Coppell. <laughs> they really were all over this episode. Yeah, they really dominated. They they, they were going crazy for this one. So I that's kind of crazy. I'd have to say that's one of the uh, surprising things rewatching this again is the amount of... This is like their third one that they've written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if you noticed, they're like the Isaac-heavy ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they do seem to write the, for Isaac a lot. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really unusual. I don't have any background information as to why. i just kind of blown away that they had two stories in one episode and that they were like this writing partnership, which is kind of cool. It is very cool. I'd like to know more about it. Yeah, we'll have to maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't have any information like that. So let's, let's just get into our stars because there's quite a few on uh, this episode. Yeah. And a lot of stars just with first name character names, so. Yeah, I couldn't find last names on a lot of these people. So first I have Sharon Acker. Mm-hmm. She plays Evelyn. Yes, she's, attractive lady. She was a Canadian actress, so when I looked a little information up, it was just kind of like she was an actress that just never hit it big. Hmm. She just did some television shows in Canada and in the United States and kind of just disappeared. Interesting. Yeah, and then I have up next Todd Bridges. Yes. Is Michael Jr. Yeah, pretty young Todd Bridges. Then we have Pat Carroll. One of the two nuns on the cruise. <laughs> Muriel. She was just one of those character actresses, though, that you would see in all kinds of television programs when we were kids. Yeah, I couldn't tell you her name, but yeah, I would recognize her usually right away. But didn't she have a super nun look to her? Like Not some... as much as Nancy Culp, All right. who well, played Gert. The nuns I had looked a lot like Pat Carroll, <laughs> yeah, she that's did. She sure. kind of looked like a, a gray-haired version of Sister Jean, our principal of <laughs> grade school. We'll have to post a picture of Sister Jean. <laughs> Get to the star of the show, please. You mean Billy Crystal? Yeah, you know I mean Billy Crystal. Newton Weems? Yeah, what kind of name? <laughs> he has the weird name. They gave him like a nerd name. Newton because Weems. Because he's like a nerd character. Guys, he is our kissing bandit. Spoiler alert. Then we have real life couple. 
Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis. Was he in whatever, The Fifth Dimension? They both were. Oh, see, I, I know the music of The Fifth Dimension, but I'm not real familiar other than Marilyn McCoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's my <laughs> Fat Albert saying his former wife, Marilyn McCoo, from a bygone SNL sketch. Yeah, they're on. That yeah. Billy Davis, quite an actor, I thought. <laughs> yeah, maybe you might want to stick to singing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're still together. That's awesome. Well, that's good. Yeah. Then on a return performance from the great Robert Reed. Yeah. Frank McLean. Yeah. <laughs> At least they gave him a normal, because I was thinking about it. His name, remember when I was freaking out over Barney, like they named yeah. him Barney? <laughs> At least he's just Frank. Frank. Frank at least is an acceptable name. So good job. <laughs> and then we have your future second wife. No way. Tony Tennille? Yeah, Tony Tennille. No. Yeah. She'll turn on you, man. I think we found that out. Well, not until you're sick. Yeah, she turned on the captain <laughs> when he needed her most. Not thrilled about that. I love Captain and Tennille, though. I'll tell you that much. She, I thought she did a great job, though. Suzanne Henderson was her character. And then finally, we have uh, Lori Walters as Roberta Potter. Boy, she's cute as can be. Uh, she was one of my favorites on Ada's Man Enough. Alive. Joni Bradford. I was falling in love with Lori Walters. Oh, she's cute. She was cute on Ada's Enough, too. Oh, man. Yes, I liked her and awesome. the older sister. Yeah, so she's great. She's not in it nearly enough. I would like to see her on many, many more cruises. She's fantastic. She's, uh, yeah, I thought she was very cute in this episode. Yes. So let's uh, get going. Well, our Canadian actress... She's the first one to arrive, and the captain, he's no dummy. <laughs> he sees her right away, and he uh, swoops in before Doc can get to her. It's true. <laughs> and introduces himself. Hello. May I be of help? Are you the person in charge? That's me. Then you must be Gopher. <laughs> I'm Merrill. Captain Merrill Scooby. <laughs> Dear. I'm sorry, I really just need someone to tell me where Promenade 344 is. It just so happens I'm headed in that direction myself. I'd be uh, very happy to escort you. That's very kind yeah, the, he was being a little pushy there, the captain. I mean, when you want something, you got to go for it, I think, you know? Yeah. That's very important. But the next people that we meet are, I called them the schlub couple because they both were kind of nerdy, self-conscious, Billy Crystal and Walters. They both kind of come on at the same time and bump into one another. Mm -hmm. And she's immediately attracted to him, but he's acting a little squirrely, isn't he? He is acting squirrely. Because he's carrying his soft case with his cape in it <laughs> that he is about to jump into uh but they kind of get to get to know each other right away and uh she kind of likes him i think from the beginning hello welcome aboard thank you uh your name sir newton weems newton weems yes sir newton weems i don't seem to have a weems oh well thanks anyway <laughs> oh sir wait a minute mr weems uh, I'm sorry. We stapled over. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's not the first time that's happened. I understand how you feel. I was left out of my high school yearbook. <laughs> Hi, I'm Roberta Potter. Oh. Uh, Newton Weems. Hi. Um, Mr. Weems, you're on the Fiesta Deck, cabin 130. And Roberta, you're right down the hall, cabin 137. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I notice you two are traveling alone. Would you like to sit at the same table for dinner? Oh, um, yeah, it's okay with me. 
It's okay with you, Newt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, sorry about the yearbook. So, Michelle, as we said, Mr. Brady is on this ship under the guise of the name of the guy named Frank. McLean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Tony Tennille obviously has her eyes on him, but not like in a romantic way. No. A very serious way, and, and you're intrigued immediately. And Mr. Brady is having none of it with no one because he blows off kind of like the purser person who's trying to welcome him onto the ship. Mm-hmm. She accosts him immediately trying to act as if they had known each other somehow from the past, and he shuts her down hard. Excuse me, but don't we know each other? No. I see that online doesn't work any better for women than it does for men. (laughs) But it's all in the delivery. Excuse me, but uh, haven't we met somewhere before? No, but nice try. And as you can see, Doc never misses an opportunity (laughs) to pick up some scraps. (laughs) But that doesn't work for him either. No, he's striking out quite a bit on this cruise. Well, Tony Tennille's got her mind on something very, very serious that we have yet to find out about, so you can understand. I totally can understand. If Doc only knew, his ego would not be bruised. And then our final passengers are... Marilyn McCoy. And Billy Davis. Todd Bridges. Yes. They are a nice family who... Did Isaac know that they were coming on, or was it a surprise to him? Didn't really... I didn't get that either way. But um, it turns out they all have a past together. Yeah. That they, what, lived in the same neighborhood, I believe, right, or something like that. Right, and they were in like, like a doo-wop group. The, the thing I appreciated is it, it, it gave Isaac a chance to show off his, like... That fancy move that he does. Yeah, his dance move. Yeah. And that movie I watched where he worked in the record store, he did that a lot too. Yeah, that was his trademark, I think. Yeah, I think so. What also gave you an opportunity not only to get their backstory, but also the song that they were kind of known for that just so happens to be written by Sha Na Na. It could have been, but it was a little doo woppy. Let's drink a toast to Lenore and the Escorts. Yeah. (laughs) What's that? What's that? Well, when your dad and mom and I were kids, we used to have a group. And we used to stand on the street corner singing all the top tunes of the day. Yeah, we were a big hit. (laughs) (laughs) And in a burst of inspiration, we even created our own original composition. Oh, no. The language of love. Don't tell him about that turkey song. (laughs) (laughs) You remember the choreography we used to do? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, let's do it. A one, a two, a one, two, three. Bop, 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 bop. And I feel so good inside that I could cry. Everybody's having a good time, reminiscing about the past, singing their doo-wop. Yeah, the whole like people on the ship, they were loving that tune. They were. It was like entertainment. 
Yeah, but free entertainment. That they weren't even bargaining for because there was like a full band behind them somehow when they were playing. But Billy Davis, he's not into it really. Nope. He's moved on. He's, he's a businessman now. Yeah. And he just thinks that old doo-wop trash is no good anymore. But Todd Bridges wants to know more. He does. And you can't blame him because it's something interesting about your parents that maybe you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he then he's kind of, this is where I didn't know where, where this was going to go. He's kind of confiding in Isaac to like find out more. And Isaac is just like super the nicest guy in the world, likable, and is trying to, you know, clue him in mm-hmm. on what they once did, even though the dad's kind of not into it. Hey, will you teach me? Sure. Oh, no. That doo-wop stuff was fine for back then, but we don't need that now, son. Come on, let's go get dressed for the captain's cocktail party. Say, Mike, um, I didn't mean to embarrass you in front of your son. Oh, it's cool, Ike. It's just that my life's going in a different direction, that's all. Hey, Ike. Could you teach me that move that went along with Fuzzy Wuzzy? Uh, I think you better check it out with your father first. Michael! Please? Okay, tomorrow. And if you get good enough, maybe Gladys Knight will make you a pip. <laughs> There's always a lot of talk on these love boat cruises where we better get ready for the captain's cocktail party. Even though it's like the afternoon and it's going to take them hours. Oh, I didn't even hear that. I oh. didn't. I didn't really hear him say that. Yeah, so I guess like the first night of dinner was some kind of captain's cocktail party, and the captain was wasting no time at his table. It was very sweet of you to give me a tour of the ship today. Ah, we haven't finished. Perhaps later I can show you the real heartbeat of the ship. The engine room? My cabin. (laughs) You're such a knave. Yeah, Michelle, how do you feel about a sexual captain? It's tough. I love it. <laughs> I love when he's in a in a mood where he's making advances on a woman. It's, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> not to me. <laughs> not to me at all. I find it so enjoyable because it's clowny. He does it yeah. great. And it's it's just, it's one of my favorite things. I think he does an awesome job. Uh, I don't like when he's shot down. But in this one, I think they handled it kind of kind of nicely where it was funny. And then he was showing a little bit of anger a little bit later in the show, which was great. Mm-hmm. I prefer him as like the fearless leader or in the dad role, <laughs> the comedic dad role. Well, speaking of dad roles, we do have Mr. Brady on the ship. Mm-hmm. Tony Tennille is in hot pursuit because she has a very pressing thing to, sh- I don't know, not share with him, but to try and uh, broach with Mr. Brady. And it kind of is not happening. It's table 14. Yes, it is. (laughs) I'm sure you're convinced by now that I'm following you. Well, I am. I don't get it. Look, I'm sure you get to meet a lot of girls, but it hurts my ego that you don't remember me. We were introduced by the bartender at Cody's. Of course, I, uh, I haven't been back there for a while. I heard some guy got killed there last year. Cody's bar kind of sounds shady. Or maybe because it's the 70s, is it more like the Regal Beagle? (laughs) All we know. Because somebody was murdered there, so. Yeah, and it took a while for Mr. Brady to finally accept and uh, face that reality for pretty 
understandable reasons. Correct. Look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe you've never been to Codis. Well, I have. A lot. I'm trying to wipe the place out of my mind. I was there the night the guy was killed. I, uh, I understand a bystander tried to take the killer's gun away and he shot him too. You want to see the scar? It was only the beginning. Spent four months in the hospital. Ended up losing my job. All because I stuck my nose into somebody else's business. But you must be glad to hear they caught the guy that shot you. Well, I don't know anything about that. Oh, yeah, he's a drug dealer, mob guy. He was in all the papers. I must have missed it. Surely they've asked you to be a witness at the trial. Getting a little cold out here. Look, I'm sorry. I'm upsetting you again. This must be a nightmare for you. And I've ruined your meal. Look, if I promise never to mention Cody's again, will you come back inside and join me for dinner? Okay. Good. By the way, the name's Suzanne. Frank. Now you can't say we haven't met. I like that they just fire him, his job. Right. You get shot because you were like being a heroic person and your job cans you. Gosh, things are always crummy. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, just like no no heart, no, <laughs> no mercy, no empathy whatsoever. Yeah, you were trying to defend a guy from being murdered, but... You're fired. Fired. <laughs> You're out of here. Terrible. So I don't blame him for being angry all the time on this cruise. How about we lighten the mood a little bit with the kissing bandit? I would love to. Because we really haven't gotten into this whole scenario yet. Well, because all that we've really seen is Billy Crystal get into his cabin and jump into his white tuxedo, his mask, his oversized fedora, or maybe because Billy Crystal's five foot one, it probably is like a normal size fedora. It just looks giant on him. Well, that he has that curly hair. It's got to go over his curly hair, bro. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) <laughs> and his final touch, he throws on the cape. I like the cape touch. Yeah, he looked great in his outfit. You're going to go all the way if you're going to be a kissing bandit. But at this point, they had earlier on in the show uh, scheduled dinner together. And so they're at dinner. And this girl is, I think it's at dinner. I think that's when it was, possibly. I can't remember. But she really is just hitting on him. And he's kind of being weird about it, right? Right. Roberta. Right. So, you um going into Puerto Vallarta today? No, I... I think I a lot of work. work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you work? Huh? What kind of work do you do? I'm a writer. Gee, I've never met a writer before. Um, what kind of things do you write? Films and television? Maps. <laughs> I write maps. You know, the names of cities, gulfs, rivers, all that. Right, uh, right, maps. That's fascinating. <laughs> Gee. Well, listen, I hope you don't think I'm being forward or anything, but I was wondering if you'd like to have dinner with me tonight. Tonight? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have tons of work to do, and I'm whew, I'm still full from breakfast. <laughs> you know, I, Sister, come by your cabin and pick you up. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, no. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in the dining room. Okay. I promise. Bye. Bye. So uh, while uh, Joni was waiting for him to 
to come to dinner. He never did because, as we stated, Joni. Oh, shoot, I was going from eight is enough. <laughs> oh, how do you even remember her name from eight is enough? I loved eight is enough. Me too, but I don't. I only I only remember uh, Adam Rich. <laughs> Roberta, Roberta Potts is her character. Um, she. Um, <laughs> I, I really did like that show so oh, much. Oh, so did I. I love the show. And she um, she was stood up for dinner because he is out kissing women randomly on the ship. Not, a, not It's not even just a quick kiss. It's like a dramatic. Yeah, he really plants one on, on the ladies. And they love it. <laughs> it does not look romantic at all, but they love it. There's some kind of power coming from his lips. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. It's weird, but then I guess it's not terrible because, like I said, they don't hate it. Yeah, but it's not right because then he totally C-blocks the captain. Oh, I know. Because the captain captain was making time with this woman, and then he comes along and smooches the lady, and then she's, like, all, like, starry-eyed for this masked masher. And was that starry-eyed meaning pun intended because the captain was going over the constellations with her? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Yeah. That's Orion's belt. You see uh, the three stars right in the line? And over there, we have Cygnus the Swan. That's my personal favorite. Now, let's see if we can find Ursus the Bear. There you are, you little devil. (laughs) And that, of course, is the uh, Little Dipper. Little, wow. It's just crazy that he didn't even notice that there was a man grabbing the woman that was standing next to him and kissing her. And the poor captain is doing everything within his power to win this woman over, right? Right. And one of the scenes that I enjoy on this episode is when they are not at the captain's table. He takes her to a special just couple's table. Mm. (laughs) And he has... Two musicians approach them to set the mood. Evelyn, I hope you don't mind not sitting at the captain's table. I wanted to make this special a night to never forget. So for me, this stuff is the fun stuff because it's the clowny stuff. Yes. Because there is some heavier stuff in this episode. And it, it's cool. You know, God bless Fred Grandy and Bernie Coppell for their writing efforts. But, you know, I like a clowny captain (laughs) trying to win over a Canadian beauty. (laughs) Serious stuff is taking place on this ship. I know. Tony Tennille keeps pressuring Robert Reed. Yes. And we still don't exactly know why. Right. But the thing is, he has already revealed that he has been shot, that he was hospitalized for four months, lost his job. But what we further find out is a pretty understandable and serious reason as to why he does not want to step back into this situation. He does not want to testify at the trial. Any for your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that killer's trial. It starts today. Oh yeah, I know all about it. You're supposed to be there. How come you're not, Frank? Because I'm scared stiff. I don't blame you. The guy has ugly friends, Suzanne. One bullet's enough. I don't need to be a hero again. But can they convict him without you? Nope. Then a killer will be walking around the streets. Yeah. 
but so will I. Now, I could totally understand that, Michelle. I mean, like, well, yeah. you, you'd be freaked out. Like, I mean, if this is in New York and there's, like, mobster people involved and all of that. They'll find you. Yeah, you'd be freaking out. And it's just like you've already lived through this thing and you wouldn't maybe want to go right back into that. No. I, I I did completely understand that. The one thing I did not understand is why, after we implored people not to smoke in their cabin, uh. that of all the people on the ship, our hero, Mike Brady, would be the one to break the rules. And, and not only is he smoking in his cabin, but I also noticed with my keen eye for detail. Yes. He had a wristwatch on. <laughs> yeah. Thick, a thick, cool wristwatch. But then he had the bracelet above the wristwatch. What does that mean? It just looked weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was a weird choice to put the bracelet and the thick wristwatch on the same arm. I just didn't like seeing him smoking at all. Why? I don't know. It just didn't seem right to me. Because he never smoked on the Brady Bunch? Yeah, he was just such a good guy. Do you think he got him from Greg's jacket? <laughs> <laughs> he stole the cigarette. He must have. Yeah. From, he he Love, snuck a Letterman's couple. jacket. Right. He didn't tell Carol. He just <laughs> took those cigarettes and brought them on the cruise with him. Did you see how awkward it was when they were kissing? <laughs> when he, yeah, it was. Oh my God. It was like the single weirdest thing. What, I was trying to think there's a funnier thing where somebody was supposed to kiss someone on a show and I cannot remember what it was but he looked so uncomfortable kissing Tony Tennille and he was kissing her on the cheek instead of the lips <laughs> it, it really was something special maybe because uh, the captain was watching from the wings yeah Dennis Dragon or whatever Dragon. with like brass knuckles on he was gonna get <laughs> he was gonna get whacked by him and on the show. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed really strange, but it was super enjoyable to me to watch how awkward and uncomfortable that was. Well, I mean, you know, Mr. Brady, I mean, I mean, he has been driven to smoke. So, you know, that things are serious because he's stressed out beyond compare. Yes. And as if that wasn't bad enough, there's another reveal, correct? Correct. Because Tony Tennille heads to his room. And she's still trying to finesse him into testifying, basically. Mm -hmm. And he gets kind of irate, not necessarily at her, but the situation. And, well... Frank, can we talk? Nothing to talk about. I have to tell you about Tommy. He wasn't a bum. He was a sweet kid who went to Vietnam and got wounded. And that's how he got hooked on drugs. I don't need to hear all this. Well, you're gonna hear it. He kicked his habit. And when that pusher approached him that night in Cody's, he threatened to turn him into the police. That's the kind of guy he was. Not a punk. Not a nothing. I've already called the DA. What? Not because of you and your little game, but because I suddenly realized I couldn't live with myself if that guy went free. Oh, you do me a favor. Leave him alone. Frank. Please just go. Punk and that bum just happens to be her brother. Yes. He's a Vietnam vet. Yes. And he got addicted to drugs. Yeah, so you don't know those things, though. That, that That's where, like, some of this stuff is kind of cool because you can immediately, like, peg somebody as, like, a loser or somebody who's not worth a whole lot and you don't know the backstory of someone. And as far as, like, a lot of this stuff to me, a lot of these storylines were a little convoluted and crazy, kind of like roller coastery and not the best of ways. You know, those are the things that are like, oh, that's you could kind of see that, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that would be a pretty sticky situation to be in. Correct. And then once he, you know, she admits that that's her brother, then he kind of gets wise to the situation 
Ellie feels hurt, too. He feels like he's been played. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Thinking that she was just using him to get him to testify, and she didn't really like him. Although I did I did appreciate on this episode before all this, and that he did say he was falling in love with her. Mm-hmm. When usually on the love boat, they are in love with each other immediately. Right. And then they're getting married. Right. Well, you've got a murder in between, so you can't immediately just like <laughs> let yourself go into love. Right. It's true. It's hard to trust again. <laughs> yeah, a little complicated. <laughs> Keeping on a sour note on this cruise ship, Mike and Ike, they were supposed to go on a fishing trip together. Did He promised him when they got to, I don't know if it's Puerto Vallarta or Cabo San Lucas. I think it was that. He was going to rent a charter, a ship, and they were going to fish all day. But guess what? Dad's got to fly back to Los Angeles immediately and close a deal on a new dealership. And then even prior to that, though, this is a part that it really was like a bummer to me is like this kid goes to ask Isaac about like, how do you fish? Oh, that's right. And then Isaac lays his magical fishing hat on this kid and just gives it to him. But it's not just like some hat that he had. What was it, Michelle? It was a hat that his dad gave him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, that's too too much story behind that hat to just give it to your friend's kid. See, now you're making me think of the sextant that the captain gave to that other kid, <laughs> the orphan kid. And Isaac's like, he shouldn't get this kid. He's going to be living on Park Avenue with the Drummonds at some point. So he's going to be rich again. He's got this dealership family here. Then he'll get adopted by the Drummonds. He's going to be mega rich. And then Isaac's giving him the hat that his father gave him. I want to take that hat back from that kid I so know, bad. I was, and then when the kid gave it back, I was like, oh, yeah, he has it back. He didn't even care about the hat, really. No, he didn't. And then he just lays into Isaac in like the most brutal of ways. He called him a jive bartender. Oh. Hey, you're late. You're going to miss that boat. We're not going. What? My dad has to fly back home. What's going on? Got a chance to pick up another dealership. I got to go back and wrap things up. You know I'm doing this for you, don't you? Yes, sir. Mike, doing it for him? You're doing it for yourself. This kid don't give a damn whether you get one more car dealership or not. All he wants is a little attention from his father. Isaac, you're absolutely right. He is not. What do you know about it anyway? My dad's trying to make a lot of money so I can live a better life than he did. He doesn't want me going and singing songs on some street corner. He wants me to go to college and get a good education and be somebody. Not a giant bartender like you. I'm sorry. My fault. I shouldn't open my big mouth. Oh, it's cool. No, it's not cool. Michael, don't you see what you're doing? You're wheeling and dealing yourself right out of our lives. Darling, calm down. It's been an emotional morning. Uh, Why don't you just go back to bed? I really got to go. I'll call you later. I was so upset during this scene. (laughs) I love Isaac, as do you. I know. And Isaac was being such a good guy. And he was trying so hard because he wasn't trying to, like, overstep the bounds of friendship and know that this is his father. Gives him his dad's fishing hat. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, the kid was just lashing out because he was mad at his father. I understand that, but it doesn't make it any better to me. I felt horrible for Isaac. Oh, man. And Marilyn McCoo. (laughs) She was she was the voice of reason, and she I I I her, liked Marilyn McCoo very much. Me too. And she had that great terry cloth. Oh, I didn't even see that. It was a pink terry cloth like tracksuit. 
type thing. No, I was so upset by this whole thing in the fishing hat <laughs> that it just like I, I I was blinded to any terry cloth and normally my oh, terry yeah, cloth. Oh, no, you missed out on her terry cloth. <laughs> my terry cloth radar goes off. <laughs> so this is terrible, and everybody's in turmoil right now. Except for Billy Crystal. Except for Billy Crystal. <laughs> Who's smooching the ladies left and right, regardless of age, size. It doesn't matter. So the captain is frustrated with the uh, kissing bandit. Yes, he is. And they want to lay a trap to catch him. What's the best trap you can think of, Michelle? <sighs> Julie. <laughs> yeah, I have written down Julie Chum. Like she's <laughs> thrown to the waters for sharks to attack. Always Julie. Yeah, they're always offering her up as some sort of human sacrifice. <laughs> And then I was thinking about, after the previous episode, why would she accept it? Because then they were like, oh, well, we'll be watching. We'll be waiting. And we all know that they failed her in the last episode. They're always too slow. I know. I don't know. She's so super cute. She really is. And it's just, like, terrible to think that they just are are, are just not thinking enough of her and her well-being. I guess the worst that can happen is she's going to get kissed. Right. You know, so I guess maybe in their defense, it's not the worst thing in the world. But Julie is just not down. Captain, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Not at all. Julie, there is nothing to worry about. We'll never be more than a few feet from you. And Gopher and Isaac are in position ready to pounce. And you'll have no trouble spotting him. Everyone is at dinner. The deck is deserted. All you have to do is casually stroll back and forth. As soon as you see him, call out. Oh, Captain, this could just be a big waste of time, though. I mean, well, what if he doesn't come after me? Well, he will. The man's unbalanced. <laughs> He'll go for anyone. No, I mean, happy hunting. Thank you, sir. Tally-ho to you, too. <laughs> but then as a result of this, Michelle, this also, for me, you know, eight-year-old me, whatever, this is the stuff I liked. You know, like the, the clowny chase scene type stuff you know yeah. isaac and and go for like hiding under a tarp <laughs> <laughs> it's like classic like you know abbott and costello or some kind of stuff like that that i loved or how about when um doc took all the ladies away because they were all out on the deck looking <laughs> waiting for the kissing band because that's the thing all the women want to be kissed by this guy i know it's so weird i don't maybe it's how it is i have no idea but then like there was like hundreds of women out on the deck or whatever <laughs> and and that was kind of funny it was funny when doc was inviting them all back to his room well the way he did it was really kind of cool because he's like for your protection i need you to come back to my cabin for a nightcap or whatever and then they're all like oh <laughs> and they all took off and that was kind of funny it was funny so then that left julie in her beautiful silver gown she looked pretty she does she always looks pretty yes she does and yeah so she's just out there and then of course he does billy crystal shows up mm-hmm. and then it turns into a fun sort of uh like what did they call him who's the dude who's the dashing pirate famous they say his name errol flynn there you go yeah he swings from a some kind of rope that just happens to be there <laughs> yes it's cute that whole scene is cute because then you look at julie and she's kind of starstruck because you know like smitten too because he just kissed her and the guys are like bumbling trying to catch him and is that where like he then does bump into the girl like on the way back to his room and then he passes her by it must have been right i think so yeah, because then he sees her, and then he freaks out and goes back to his room. Yeah, he's about to kiss her, and then he realizes it's the girl that's been trying to, to meet up with him this whole cruise. And she heads to his room right after that. She sure does. At that point, Billy comes clean. Hi. Hi. Just uh, working. Mm. It's, it's on a map of 
Some countries you probably never heard of. Hmm. United States? Yeah, somewhere around the world, no. Newton, what's going on? You know, the first night you don't even show up for dinner, and the second night we were having such a wonderful time together, and then you just left. And then tonight you didn't show up again. <laughs> and then to top it off, you know that masked man who's running around kissing just anybody? Took one look at me and ran away. Oh, Newton, what's the matter with me? There's nothing the matter with you. I mean, uh, if you ask me, there's something the matter with him. What do you mean? Well, maybe he's so scared of girls that he thinks he has to dress up to steal a kiss. Why would anyone have to steal a kiss from him? Maybe he knew for sure that nobody would ever give him one. Maybe he spent every high school dance so scared he couldn't come out of the men's room. Maybe he promised himself that one day he'd do all the stuff he dreamed about, and then he met a girl that he really cared for. And then the mask didn't work, and, and he ran away like a chicken. People don't have to do that, do they? No, no. If it was me, like, I mean, if I met someone uh, like you that I really cared for, I'd just say, can I kiss you? And I'd say yes. they're cute together i i i liked them both very very much because billy crystal back then especially was like super likable and i thought he did a great job he was like a little cute guy back then yeah she was a cute girl and you know she spoke some french to him which i liked she was great there Mm -hmm. should have been more of her well that's the thing billy crystal is the type of guy that i like because there's like comical you know he's a comedian and there's funniness vulnerability you know, I like that type of male, you know, actor or whatever. And she just was as cute as can be. Yeah. No, I thought that whole thing worked out really nicely. Yeah. Her persistence finally paid off and now they're a couple. Yeah. Then, of course, in traditional love boat, typical love boat, I should say, style, Robert Reed and Tony Tennille actually make amends. Well, with the help of who always helps? Doc. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Because he just, I guess he lured all the women back to his cabin and then found time to go back and help the one other woman on the, de- <laughs> on oh, the wait, deck of the he ship. He had a good, what did he say to her? He had a good quote. I had it written Something down. like, can I share your ocean? Yeah. I was like, wow, that's heavy. <laughs> Better than Penny for your thoughts, which is what she says to uh, Mr. Brady earlier on the episode. Oh, Kiri says, care to share your ocean. There you go. Yeah. That's and up. then that's where like, she is explaining that she really cares for What's his name? Frank. Frank. And then he's like, don't tell me. Tell that gentleman standing over there. Doc is, you know. He's the best. He really does. He helps so many people in so many ways. He knows when to step aside. But that was kind of nice because then Frank knows that she wasn't just there for that. And I think because he's an empathetic human being Mm -hmm. who's been through a ton, you know, he would realize how difficult that situation is for her. You know, they reconcile. 
And then, you know, at least they're in love for a little bit before he goes and gets murdered by the mafia. <laughs> yes, because he does t- inform her that he has made a ship-to-shore call to the DA. Did he? He made a ship-to-shore? He said he spoke to the DA. So. <laughs> oh, my God. So he'll be dead soon Another ship-to-shore call. When the Gambino family whacks him back in New York. Well. So that wraps up nicely. Yeah, it did. As long as he survives the trial. Talk about wrapping up nicely, though. How about where the other dude, he decides just not to go get the dealership and comes back and everything's cool. Yeah, he didn't even leave. All's well. He sent his vice president. Well, we should have done that in the first place. Yeah, where did he go for all that time? I guess he was on a lot of phone calls and it took him a while and then he just the pops back. The ship to shores take a long time. Willis was in the bathroom. He wouldn't come out because he was so depressed. And then his father comes back. And then Isaac gives him the half back, oh, and it makes me I was so, so upset. I'm like, no, you had it back. I know. I hated that part so bad. Me too. It really bothered me too. Oh my gosh, we're insane. I mean, that's <laughs> we have the same like feelings about that stuff. Yeah, but they do come back, and then it's like you know the dad realized that he needed to spend more time with him, and they kind of just slam bang wrap that baby up. Mm-hmm. Lenore, what are you doing here? Well, I exercised my prerogative as president of the company. I told my vice president to make the deal. Michael? Daddy! I know it's kind of late in the day, and uh, and all the big ones are probably all gone by now. But uh, would you still like to go fishing with me? Oh, wow! All right. <laughs> now, uh, how about an apology for our friend here? I'm sorry for calling you a giant bartender. Hey. And I'm sorry, too, I... Seems as though I've been doing all the jiving around here. Hey, forget about that. Listen, I want you guys to pick me up a, a sea bass about, oh, so big. You got it, Ike. Hey, listen, I want you to catch me some green beans and some french fries to go along with it. How am I going to do that? Very easy. With your magic hat. And that's really it for this one. This one was kind of... Like I said, like I felt it was like really like roller coastery with a lot of pretty heavy stuff, and then it was it could be a little confusing sometimes, right? Because you are packing all this into a sixty minute show. Um, what happened with the nuns? The last scene was like remember like the captain's like talking to to Gopher, and he's like, "Look what they found in the trash or whatever." Oh, and then they all chase after him. <laughs> yes. Gopher, yes sir. Look at this. Where did you get that? A room steward found it in the trash. Now, can you imagine anyone being silly enough to think that wearing that could be a turn-on? <laughs> it's him! Because <laughs> they thought he was the kissing bandit. Because he had the mask in his clutches. <laughs> his clutches. <laughs> and all the ladies chased after him, which I thought was cute. Yeah, and then also, did you find it weird when, like, Mr. Brady and uh, Tony Tennille, like, when they leave the ship? Yeah, what was the point of that, blocking the traffic of the people leaving? Yeah, they just completely stop midway down, like, whatever, the gangplank or whatever it is. And then everyone's <laughs> the trying, and the people literally on the, on the show are, like, annoyed, yeah. <laughs> trying to get around them, and they're just having a full-on conversation. Frank, are we doing the right thing? Maybe we ought to get back on that boat and just sail away from here. No way. We're going to see this thing through together. We owe it to Tommy. We owe it to ourselves. So that was really a weird, I don't know what was going on there. I didn't know what they were trying to uh, establish by them blocking everyone because it was really noticeable. 
Yeah, so that's it, you guys. Um, this one was, I don't know, I'd really be curious to see if people enjoyed this episode, didn't like this episode. Yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know, it had some funny moments, but it, I don't know, it was just, it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, it was just kind of... More Lori Walters is all I can say. I, if I, if there would have been more of her, I would have been very, very happy. Yeah, I wonder if she's on anymore in the future. I hope so. And next we have, I do believe, episode 31. I cannot remember the title. It's like Ghoul's Night Out, or maybe that's a Misfits tune. <laughs> and uh, heads up, you guys, we do have a guest, a special guest or commentary mm. from our friend David Stecco. Half of the Blurry Photos podcast, which we will tell you more about on the next episode. And I think we're going to leave you guys, like we said at the top of the show, (laughs) with a little bit of extra information from my lovely mother. Mary Jo's Hollywood Minute. And I think I have to do a little fix on that because I think I did look it up. Now, she could be correct or Wikipedia is correct. Maybe the age of red buttons may not be what my mom is thinking. I do believe he passed away at 87. And I do believe the name of the club may have been a New York club, not a Chicago club. I think that's what my mom is about to say. But the other information is is really cool, super cute. Thank you, Mom. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, until next time, I am Ishvan. I'm Michelle. Captain Stubing, Captain Stubing, please cover the bridge. And we are Loving, loving the, the Love Boat. boat. Red Buttons, this is what I know about Red Buttons. He was a comedian in the burlesque house in Chicago, and it was called Minsky's Burlesque. After they closed it, he was in the last show, actually, when they did close in Chicago. He went to L.A., and he tried to make it in the movies. He went to New York then and worked on Broadway first. He was a good comedian and a very good actor. Back to L.A., he won an Academy Award as a supporting actor in the movie Sayonara with Marlon Brando. Very good movie. Also, they shoot horses, don't they, with Jane Fonda. Another good movie he was in. He's on the uh, Walk of Fame in L.A., appeared on Dean Martin's roast shows. He actually lived until 97 years old, still making jokes, very funny. Not a leading man type of look, but cute. That's about it.